0: It's the SportsZilla Show, broadcasting live from the Celtic Harp Studios. This is ESPN Radio Utica Rome on 1310 AM Utica, 1350 AM Rome, and now on 96.5 FM with rain. Oh, oh,
1: oh, 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 oh. My eyes. Hey man, don't even talk to me till I've had my morning coffee. Scoop.
2: One beer, two beers, three
0: beers, shot of whiskey. I'm And the boss, Matt. Could you speak up? I'm not wearing pants. It's boss time. The Sports SportsZilla Show. Your show is amazing. Starts now. Brought to you by Warner Sales and Service. Uh, you should also know
3: that attorney Robert Saucin phone line will be used today at 315-768-1310. We have... Boss, are we doing two pair of Comets tickets today? Two pairs. Two pair. And we'll have more later in the week. That's the Belleville game we're going to get you to on Friday. And I know we've got Syracuse on Wednesday. And I know Scoop is excited because we also host pregame. But we'll talk about all that because Utica Comets Insider is at 7 o'clock tonight from the 72 Tavern and Grill. And we have AHL All-Star, the all-time... Leading scorer defensively, the leading defensive scorer or defenseman with the most points in Utica Comets history, Brogan Rafferty, with us tonight.
4: And I saw earlier today where Ben Vernell tweeted a link to where you could get that AHL All Star All Star jersey from Brogan Rafferty. I think it was six hundred eighty-five bucks. It was that. If you want, nice it. little keepsake for you if you're a Comets fan. So I'm excited
3: to be in here because we have a special guest that I'm going to announce to you in just a second. But America's Greatest Heart Run and Walk was on Saturday, and I'm going to share the a picture of the best thing I saw during the entire thing. Heartbreak Hill is my street, basically. It goes up my street. My I live on a portion of Heartbreak Hill, and I saw something fantastic. And I'm going to share that with everybody in picture form at ESPN SportsZilla where to find us on Twitter and on Facebook. The station's at ESPNUR. Was it a pink unicorn running up the hill? No. It was not. But was it was Was it a dog? It was a furry. We'll leave it at that. My dogs barked at them. I'll put it to you that way. There's, okay. there's two of them. Well, that narrows it down. I saw I just <laughs> saw I saw Coach Fagiano. I saw a lot of Utica college family of athletes walking in that. It was it's great. I see him every year. I saw Faj last year, too. He's like, Right, right. I'm like, get yourself in here. Let's talk some spring football. But we also have the Clinton girls in studio tomorrow with Coach Nicole Ruddy. The Clinton Girls High School team won the state championship, and all of them are going to be in here. It's just a fantastic thing that I'm happy to be a part of. We're going to let them. We're going to celebrate them. We're going to celebrate these ladies. It was International Women's Day yesterday, and that does tie into hockey with something we'll talk about in our next segment. However, now it's time to welcome in—well, we'll we'll let him lay out his resume for you in a second. But let me just give you—
5: are you why sure he's you want to do that? That'll take all 15 minutes. Let me give you why he's here. Let me give you why he's here.
0: We begin with the Utica Pioneers earning their auto bid after a program-best 25 win season featuring a 20-game win streak entering the tournament. UC outscored opposing teams 147-57 to 57 on the year while averaging the second most goals per game in the nation and allowing four more goals only three times all season. They captured their second UCHC title with the sixth to two win over 15th ranked Wilkes University. The Pioneers await the winner of Babson College and ARP star Wesleyan out of Connecticut who were in the final tournament spot just over 18 hours ago. Scoop,
3: introduce our friend, the one, the only, the Razor B. First of all, he's a wrestling mark, he calls the Utica City FC games, Utica College Sports, uh, he jumped in while... I didn't plan that. I just did that. Something looking at you inspired me to do that. well Holy Toledo. While Joel Roberts uh, stepped out and became a father, this guy stepped in. Uh, Ray Biggs, man. Biggsy, Take it from there. Is that
1: everything that you're doing currently? I mean, I can't keep up. You're everywhere. Yeah, that honestly about wraps it up in terms of what I do currently. And on top of it, I am the assistant to the commissioner of the United Collegiate Hockey Conference in the tournament just wrapping up this weekend. And... UC is moving on, baby. It's going to be a lot of fun. Utica College Hockey with a UCHC championship
3: now, of course, with an automatic bid because they got screwed, but we can talk about that another time back in 2018. 12-team single elimination, and there it is. Number one overall seed is Utica.
1: Go. It's all yours. Well, it definitely played out, I think, pretty much the way that I expected with one small swap out that did affect the matchup that Utica will get in the quarterfinal. I was thinking maybe they might group up Plymouth State, which is the bottom overall seed in this tournament, with Utica coming out of that opening round there alongside Babson, who had to be there anyway by rule because they can't play Norwich before the semifinals if that can be avoided. So you've got Wesley and you've got Babson out of that first-round game, and the reason why you're seeing that as opposed to what I originally projected with Plymouth State coming in, is because you have to be equitable to the top available seed, Endicott, in that opening round game in the Norwich quadrant of the bracket. So as a result, there was a little bit of a swap up there. But otherwise, things largely intact the way that I reasonably drew it up. And for the Pioneers, this is a real, real exciting time. Interesting historical parallel with this bracket, too. Take a look at the number 5 seed on the lower left corner out of the West, UW-Eau Claire. The last time that Utica and UW-Eau Claire were both in the tournament, they met in the semis.
5: So the uh, semifinal games that are coming up this weekend and then the following weekend, is that the Utica game or is the 21st the Utica game?
1: Well, the 21st will be the Utica game. This upcoming weekend will be the opening round. So you've got eight teams in action there. The Wesley and Babson game, St. Thomas and Lake Forest. You've got a school from Minnesota there and Illinois, greater Chicago area. Hobart and Adrian, and Adrian's going to host that game with Hobart just within 500 miles. And then Plymouth State and Endicott's the other one. And then you get the quarterfinal games next weekend, which Utica will be a part of. And then the winners go on to the semis and finals out in Buffalo. So So
5: Wesley and Babson, out of that matchup, who do you expect to face Utica?
1: Well, in all honesty, it's really a toss-up in A lot of senses. Babson, the better resume on paper. And the home team. Yes, and the home team. That is correct. They'll host that game out in Babson Park, Mass. They have some good goaltending there, but you can't count out Wesleyan for a multitude of reasons. One, they just tossed it over a team that was number one in the country probably about a month ago in um, Trinity. And they beat them pretty handily in that NESCAC championship game. And they've got a red hot goalie right now. Tim Sestak used to be at Hobart. He's an All-American. He's really, really, really good. So you know, the hot goalie factor that you talk about in playoff hockey, that could come into play here, but I do expect Babson to move on if I had to guess. It's Razor Ray Biggs. Biggs
3: with us here on the Sports Illustrated Show, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, now 96.5 FM. Being a first overall seed, they obviously, they get the buy. So what does Gary Heenan do to keep the boys fresh with a little bit of a layoff? First of all, the obvious is, you know what? Bumps and bruises heal. You get healthy. That's a key moving forward, but they've earned the right to do that. But, man, it's a deep team. Take us through the past couple of games uh, and
1: and what you see moving forward with all that. Well, in all honesty, things just continue to gel for this team. And what I like... Ultimately about this team is it's not just necessarily the times when things are going smoothly and when they're going cleanly that impresses me. It's that when this team finds a little bit of a challenge, they hit a little bit of a rut. We saw it in the semifinal series and conference play against Nazareth. There were some points where Utica fell right into Nazareth's game plan. Things were sloppy coming up ice. They found a way to overcome that. They have found a way to overcome anything that's kind of been thrown their way over the course of this postseason. And that resiliency in those moments for Utica, I think, is the single most impressive thing that I've seen out of this group. And then look at the championship series. They overwhelmed Wilkes, And it was kind of odd in a sense, because you figure coming in, of course, the heartbreak of last year. Everybody knows the story. You lose that game two against Manhattanville and then losing the minigame and you know, the season comes to the heartbreaking end that it did, but you figure the veterans would have led the way forward and scored all the goals in that championship series and flipped the script. It was the freshman that kind of carried the load offensively when the team really, really needed it. What a series for Dante Zapata with three goals, including two in the first period of game one. He was simply sensational. And John Luca Baghetta over that two game series. Played the best hockey I think I've seen out of him all year. And that's a dangerous, dangerous proposition for anybody Utica's going to play. 20 straight to wrap up the season. Also, a 3-1 to goal differential
3: scoop.
4: Yeah, my question was, I was curious about Gianluca Baguetta. You know, it it seems that uh, on the regular, it's 20 saves, 23 saves, 25. It's in that range. Are there any teams in this tournament that tend to get more shots on goal, that really get more scoring chances. Is that going to be sort of the the typical of the teams that we could face in this tournament?
1: Well, I definitely believe so. And the team that really stands out to me offensively, if you're not looking at Utica, of course, who has one of the best offenses in the country, I think you're looking... At the four teams with the buys, I think that those are the teams that are really the standout offensive teams. Norwich is a great defensive team as well. They have a long shutout streak going right now. Geneseo in their quadrant of the bracket, they are exceptionally potent. They're very, very skilled. Andrew Romano, Conlin Keenan, two of the best players I think I've ever seen at this level. That's a motivated bunch that bowed out in the semifinals last year. They're going to have something to prove. And UW-Eau Claire, you know, the Western teams are always a bit of a wild card. The East has finally gotten itself back on the horse here in the last couple of years and really has been a much better and more formidable out come the semifinal and final rounds. But remember, UW-Eau Claire in 2013, they came into that matchup against Utica with some raw strength. They were a very deep and skilled team, and you can never really count Matt Lowen's team out either there. So between those four teams, great offensive side between all four of them. But they all bring, I think, a little something different stylistically to the table. Utica balanced, Norwich very defensively oriented. Geneseo is a freewheeling bunch, and then Eau Claire is going to win along the walls.
4: So I'm curious about Norwich and the shutout streak. You just mentioned they're a very defensively oriented bunch. I'm sure that feeds into that whole shutout streak. Tell me about the shutout streak that Norwich is on and
1: and what they've been able to accomplish. Well, it's kind of a continuation of the structure I think I saw from them a season ago in the national semis in the national championship game under a first-year head coach, Mike McShane, who won the title here in uh, 2017 here in Utica. He uh, hung, hung it up before that season. Cam Ellsworth from UMass Lowell took over, which in turn actually opened up a job opening for Utica assistant, former Utica assistant, Giuliano Pagliaro, to move out there from Colgate. So there's a little bit of a tie in there, but... They stay stay above pucks. They protect their goalie. Tommy O'Brien. he's one of the best in the country. This year, he's got 13 shutouts, 13 Ah, in 27 games played. That's strong. His GAA is under one. He is putting up numbers like he might be the national player of the year this year, and that's really, really impressive. They have not allowed a goal since January 24th. That's the last time that they conceded a goal, and it was a 3-2 game against Skidmore. Since, look at the teams that they've shut out. Hobart, who's in the tournament, UMass Boston, Babson, also in the tournament. Hobart again in the NEHC championship. You've got a who's who in that league down the stretch there that they were able to blank everybody. That's insane. That's beyond insane, blue guy. So
5: you were talking about the freshman really stepping up for Gary Heenan's Utica team. Do you, do you see that um, the amount of firepower that Gary has at his disposal?
1: Is there a weakness on this team? I'm going to say at this point, the only remote weakness, and it hasn't really been exposed at all here at the second half of the year. And there's a reason for that. But the only real weakness with this team, I think was their penalty killing for much of the year. Percentage wise, you know, you look down at it and it's around 80% now. Top teams in the country are killing at 90% in terms of the penalty kill category. But, what has Utica done really well in the second half of the year? Well, for starters, they are killing penalties a lot better and that I think needs to be kind of lumped into the conversation. The reason why the percentage hasn't been on an astronomical rise is because this is a team that doesn't take a lot of penalties. They're sixth or seventh in the country in fewest penalties taken all year. And when you're keeping the play 5 on 5, when you're getting the power play balance in your favor, especially with the group that Utica's got now, if you're in the mid 20s there and you're winning the power play balance, it's going to give you a pretty good chance to win. So I would say to some extent, maybe the penalty killing, but it also, I'm only saying that because tentatively speaking, there just hasn't been a lot of exposure for the penalty kill here in the last month. Well, Gary is
3: also going to light it up in the locker room. Demands accountability. You know this. There's discipline on this team. You know, you hear from him in the press or he joins us on SportsZilla. He's lighthearted. He has some fun with us, but it's, it's business once you get on the ice, once you're, when you're practicing in the locker room with the details. We've heard Gary talk about that. And, you know, most hockey coaches do. It's the details. It's something that they're probably going to work on with this with these extra days off with this by preceding their first game.
1: Yeah, that's the beauty of the buy. I think that it allows you to not only hone in on the details and the good habits that you need to establish for yourself to win national tournament games. You're going to get a chance to get healthy a little bit. You can manage the workload. You may not necessarily have to focus as much on conditioning heading in to the weekend at this point. Conditioning-wise, there's really only only really so much you can do at this time of year. So I think that it'll help you get healthy a little bit. You can manage your load. And again, habits matter. Good habits matter at this time of year. Every day, got to bring it in. You can kind of keep things a little bit shorter so you don't get into bad habits. So expect some up-tempo practices for the team here in the next couple of weeks, and we'll be ready to rock and roll. Bigsy, fantastic as always. My man,
3: unbelievable. You've been crushing it out there every every time you crack a mic for no matter what it is. We're proud of you. Of course, all these years watching you get better and better at it. Keep up the good work, okay? Yeah, thanks very much, guys. Really, really appreciate it. I've been having a great time. And make sure you get back in here soon. It's been too long. You mentioned that before we cracked the microphones to get the sports the show started. We got So get in you.
4: addition to a couple of hockey games, did you do Utica City football as well? On Sunday? Yes, I did. Uh, see, he was a busy guy. That's He was. I was about to close things out because we're up against the break.
3: Utica City stunned by Kansas City in overtime. What was it? Four or five straight goals five to come straight. back?
1: And then they lost in overtime. Quick, go ahead. Yeah, they just let off the gas pedal, I think, with the extra attacker late in that game. And, you know, to Kansas City's credit, they had 10 healthy bodies out there in terms of field players ready to rock and roll. Third game in four days. They played Orlando at home on Thursday. They went up to Rochester and conceded the first win for Rochester in their return to the top division of the MASL. So they were already kind of in a tough spot there in that regard, flying out from the Midwest. You come into that environment, you lose. They banded together late. Then their extra attacker unit got to hand it to them. They did a really, really good job late at a time when Utica just really didn't execute down the stretch. And I know that's something that head coach Ryan Hall is not particularly thrilled about at this point. I know that it's something that he's going to be challenging his guys going into this big home weekend that's coming up for them you know, to get better and better and pay attention to the details late in games because right now, playoff position is everything. Thanks again, Big Z. So the Whitesboro boys hockey team is now heading to the state final
3: four. I wanted to acknowledge them before we close out our hyper local opening segment here
4: on SportsZilla. Any quick comment? Well, it's going to be Queensbury in Buffalo uh, this Saturday. They had lost, of course, to skinny Atlas, which is a powerhouse, uh, but invited to the tournament just the same and beat Rye This past Saturday. So now they've earned the right to go play at that fabulous new facility in Buffalo. And good luck to them against Queensbury on Saturday. Yeah, we may. uh, Whitesboro Boys hockey
3: team or any parents listening or family and friends. uh, We may be reaching out to have you in studio to talk about your hockey journey on the subject of hockey. The Trent Cole show is on ESPN Utica Rome at six o'clock. And in honor of that, let's give out some tickets right now. We'll take the fifth caller and the 10th caller on the attorney Robert Sausen phone lines at 315-768-1310. 315-768-1310. You'll go to Friday's
0: Belleville game. Let's call now. Call 315-768-1310 now. Broadcasting live from the Celtic Harp Studios, this is ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, now on 96.5 FM. It's the SportsZilla Show on 1310 AM Utica, 1350 AM Rome, and 96.5 FM ESPN Radio Utica Rome. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt.
4: So we had a jacket toss from Coach Jim Beheim, but we did win! Pushed it to overtime, but Cues loses to Miami 69-65 in the ACC Tournament Wednesday. Kind of hard to believe that we had a jacket toss. And Suffered a loss. Blows my mind to be honest with you. Scoop Elijah Hughes though ACC first team says he's good to go after that uh, injury being banged up a little bit there. So he's he's gonna play Wednesday because well you know he wants to be there with his team and this is probably our last chance to see him. Yeah, I think it, I
3: really do think it is. It was it was it sucked. I mean his head made contact with Brahma Sidibe's knee. And then for medical clearance, the the, the doctors went over coach or him saying, I'm okay and all right to play. So they sat him out for the rest of it. It's a crap way to end the regular season. It was overtime. and Everybody's talking about Joe Girard and Buddy not hitting the three-pointers. Uh, not a lot of success at all. Two for 10 for JG3.
4: Look, you hit a couple more three-pointers. You hit a few more free throws. That's the you thing. You win the game.
3: Yeah. 80-something percent to 60-something percent on the free-throw line in favor of Miami. Uh, 20% from three for Syracuse. It's not a great showing, but even though Miami was without their best player, we, we basically were without ours for half the game, so it didn't end up well. Uh, tough, some tough shots for Joe Girard. He's going to learn from taking some of these contested three-pointers and maybe be a little bit more selective with a shot because he can clearly shoot the ball, but he he put up that shot at the end. And then they came back down with that dunk. And then Jim Beheim said this in the postgame.
2: Yeah, I mean, he, he is an aggressive player. He's not ready yet to do that. But he did it against NC State. He did it when we didn't have Elijah. Uh, but the last three or four games, he hasn't been good. And he's just, you know, he's deferring to Elijah and, and those guys. But he's capable of doing that. It's just, he's just not, you don't want to ask a freshman to have to do that.
3: Well, you think of the start teams if they, for some reason, miracles happen, run the table scoop Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 930 games, Saturday, 830. I'd love to see it happen.
4: Well, yeah, you want to get a win. You you don't want to bow out in the first game. I would love to see him surprise a few people, uh, shake a few teams up, because Jim gets in there and, look, If if we make it a close game at the end, we could win it. I mean, we had Bryson win a game for us at the end. There's no telling what could happen this year. You know, Jesse Edwards did a
3: few good things in that game, too. Uh, and, yeah, I, I have faith. We've talked about this numerous times. If there's any coach or there's a small group of coaches that can take a team that you don't expect much from and, and bring them. I mean, he's done it. I mean, remember a the, the couple years ago we were in the Final Four. Nobody saw that coming. Nope. And and uh, yeah, there's some glaring weaknesses as far as the guards and their defensive ability to close out on shooters in this two three zone, specifically with Buddy and Joe being maybe not the quickest guys or the long athletic guys that they've had in the past. Think about when you had Michael Carter Williams at almost um, six six as a point guard at the top of that zone. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a little different there. That's probably the biggest liability of this team. Uh, the trend down in shooting threes. And really, well, there's also a glaring weakness in the middle, which we've acknowledged numerous I mean, times. Coach
4: Boeheim's acknowledged that maybe he needs to go out and find somebody to be there. But any team can beat any team at any
3: given time. You see some Cinderella stories. You see some upsets in the tournament.
4: And if he needs to, he'll pull out a little coaching wrinkle, and sometimes that's a difference in the game.
3: But don't forget, and we always forget, I should say, that they have to execute. We talk about this all the time. No matter what he draws up, he's not a crappy coach because somebody misses a shot or doesn't execute what he designs. Or if
4: somebody takes a shot that is
3: ill-advised. And perhaps, I mean, it even happened, Buddy didn't close out on a shooter the other day, and you've seen the picture on social media if you follow the team. You know, those that say he doesn't yell at his son because he's a son, that's nonsense. That was a stern, angry Bayheim and it didn't matter if it was Buddy or anybody else. He got the same treatment everybody else gets, that Bayheim stare, and I'm sure a few choice words that aren't suitable for radio.
4: Well, yeah, and I'm not people put a lot of stock, too much stock in in a coach yelling at its at his players. And it's teaching. It's not yelling, okay? I think we don't know when we're watching on TV with our butts plopped in a comfy chair, what's being said or what's being taught or what sort of lesson is being imparted, but we see yelling and go, that's that's what a coach does. And we think, okay, he's coaching now. Well, a, a lot of times that could be complete bluster. You don't know what the guy's saying. You know, sometimes you yell when you're making your point as a coach. Other times you don't need to yell. You can speak very softly and go, look, you don't do this. So Syracuse is in the 96th percentile as
3: far as transition offense. So that's a positive as we look forward to the ACC tournament. I bring that up because now we can transition. And the reason that I told Big Z, who went, why are you making me put my headphones back on and get up to the mic? Because it's NHL time and this is right in your wheelhouse because you're a hockey guy. Uh, You've seen how they've changed things as far as accessibility to the locker rooms because of the coronavirus. Uh, starting today, NHL plans to close dressing rooms. This is a couple of days ago, obviously. Uh, as far as access to media and recommendations of centers for disease control in an effort to stop the spread of coronavirus, coronavirus, NBA, MLB, and MLS are expected to follow. So this is filtering out into the sports world, and you've seen events being canceled, and you might see empty stadiums. And I mean, it was interesting that the NHL took the lead on this, Ray.
1: Well, I will say, I mean, with regards to limiting access to the players, I guess you got to do what you got to do in that spot. I mean, no doubt there's definitely some conjecture out there as to how risky this actually is. There's people that think it's a doomsday scenario. There's people that think it's not. But at the end of the day, what you've got are multi-million dollar investments that you're making in these players, and you've got to protect that. I mean, two weeks of the season to lose is a long time. Plus, you got to consider their health and their just overall well-being. And yet, yeah, you really just can't afford to take any unnecessary risks when you're investing millions and millions of dollars for these guys to play for you. Can we put the journalists in hazmat suits? So we might have to, as you see the <laughs> coronavirus
3: numbers grow every single day. You're looking at an ACC tournament. Who knows where things are in a couple of days, as far as this is concerned? Bring that a couple farther weeks, uh, a couple more weeks out into the regular NCAA tournament. I mean, are you going to get to the point where you don't know where it's where we're going to be in the first week or so of April when you're playing the Final Four? So it affects all sports. It affects SU basketball. Uh, but it doesn't affect what happened last night. And there's another reason I've got you here is as, as somebody who does play-by-play and some AHL color commentary in the hockey world. It was International Women's Day yesterday. So how about Kate Scott, Kendall Coyne Schofield... AJ Malesko and all of the women behind the scenes that ran the NBC Sports Network broadcast of the Blues and the Blackhawks last night and they crushed it. Stand up for those lady broadcasters.
1: Well, 110 percent. You've got a group there that they've put their time in. They've done their homework. They've done what they've needed to do to shine on the biggest stage in the world and they should have the opportunity to shine on the biggest stage in the world and that's exactly what they got last night in the National Hockey League. Congratulations to all three of them. I think that the future is incredibly bright for just a more well-rounded world of broadcasting all around, doing play-by-play color throughout the National Hockey League and even down into the minor leagues. I think you're seeing right now a pretty big revolution going on in baseball, actually. Uh, Melanie Newman um, out of the Salem Red Sox last year. She's going to get a chance to call some Baltimore Orioles games this year and, in fact, already called one in the spring training. Welcome to the 2020
3: mindset. If you're one of those guys out there that has a problem with females in broadcasting, the simple fact of the matter is they're just as good or better than a lot of men in the broadcasting game. And as a girl dad, I fully support these ladies and uplifting them. Let's not sit there and put them down. Scoop, last comment's yours.
4: I just want to hear more women doing play-by-play. I got to be honest with you. It, it, it's, it, you make fun of her, Susan Waldman. And you, you poke fun at her all the time. I've said it a hundred times.
3: It's not because it has nothing to do with her being a female. It's because she's a terrible broadcaster. But
4: but I actually enjoy listening to her do a game. I and, know. As opposed to you. I know. And, I know. And, and there's, a, there's an irony in that. Well, I know. Look, I actually, when they, they go on these twisty, windy roads, you know, sometimes they get lost on and, and you know, two outs later, you, you know, the story is still finishing. But I kind of enjoy that. And baseball is kind of you know, almost set up and made for that. And I I want, you know, it seems like a lot of the baseball broadcasts that I listen to on the radio are lacking a, a female voice. I hope she does it for 15 more years. I just wish
3: somebody would pull her aside and coach her a little bit on how to do it better. Cause for me,
4: Oh, I see. I pushed the button. See, I know.
5: Yeah, he gave you a last comment, <laughs> and now he's going to go on a fifteen-minute rant. No, I'm not. I'm going to take a break because we. But wise, I see. I
4: like, like. I like listening to her uh, do, do the games. I I enjoy the sort of rhythm that her and John have. I you know it's 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 almost like a a comfortable blanket. Is it? Is that what you would call it?
1: Yeah, that's baseball on the radio, man. That's baseball on the radio. Yeah, it's okay. a comfortable blanket for those summer afternoons when you really can't have a comfortable blanket.
3: If you could just stop talking, Susan, that'd be great. No, I'm just kidding. NBA next and NFL next and XFL next. SportsZilla Show, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, now at
0: 96.5 FM. The SportsZilla Show is now streaming on the ESPN app. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. Here's LeBron James on
3: if the coronavirus affects the crowds and them not being there in the National Basketball Association, even though... Obviously, this could be other sports. Play
2: games without the fans? Yeah. No, nah, it's impossible. Nah, I ain't playing. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got the fans in the crowd. That's who I play for. I play for my teammates. Play for, I play for the fans. That's what it's all about. So if I show up to a an arena and ain't no fans in there, nah, I ain't playing.
3: Uh, here's Pat Beverly talking about guarding LeBron James, and he wasn't playing either.
2: Can you describe the challenge um, it is defensively when LeBron. No challenge. But, Particularly the end of the game. No can, challenge. Can you describe the describe what it's like as a defender to when he tries to force the. the not hard at hard. Thank you guys. I appreciate you.
5: So there you go. Uh, the Lakers. So you're saying guarding a six foot eight player. Six nine. Okay, whatever, whatever the NBA stat sheet calls him now. Six nine. So guarded by a six two point guard in Pat Beverly. Right. That's not challenging. No, it's not challenging. Scoop. If it's
4: not challenging, why did he do that little dance and wild flailing gesticulation after he made that big play in the Christmas Day game? It's no challenge, so, so you got to celebrate like that. Of you, course, you, you can't act like you've been there before, Patrick Beverly? Oh, it's no challenge. That's why. That's why you had such the celebration because it's no challenge. That okay? I should do a little dance like that and wildly thump my chest when I pump gas. He is, <laughs> when, I, when I when I managed to successfully go through the self-checkout line at Walmart. He's a little salty. I should, I should beat my chest.
5: I'm a man! Can I be there on Facebook Live it?
4: <laughs> He's a little yeah. salty and butt hurt, Scoop. That's... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, c- come on, you just lost the game. That's what that is.
3: Giannis is out for a couple games because LeBron, uh, not only did they beat the Clippers yesterday, but they also beat the Bucs, a couple of teams that beat them a little earlier in the season, and LeBron had to say, eh we're just getting right for the playoffs. This is a damn good team. I don't know if they're the best team in Los Angeles. That's for others to debate and something we can get into a little bit.
4: First. I don't know what they are either. I, I do think the Lakers had more on the line this weekend than either of those teams did. And so they went out and they took care of business. But you're right. It's not the playoffs yet. And it's really going to get ratcheted up when it is the playoffs. Yeah, so, it. you know, wait for that and
3: then you'll see the real deal. So it's Matt Scoop and Rain here on the Sports Illustrated Show on ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, now 96.5 FM. We got Big Z in studio with us. He'll chime in from time to time. But as far as the NFL is concerned, a couple of pieces of news of interest. They have delayed the CBA, the CBA vote until Saturday, which is the 14th. NFL Players Association said, eh, you got to wait. You got a few more days to consider whether you want to approve or not. Also, Josh Norman to the Bills. Uh, I thought a very nice stealth move. He'll compete with Levi Wallace in the backfield. Uh, it was a salary cap, basically a dump. save some money for uh, the Redskins. Thank you, the Redskins. Uh, he signed the five-year deal with them after being with their current coach, Sean McDermott, when he was a coordinator there. So just a great move. Thank you for the save, by the way. It just completely went out of my head. Good
4: move, but he's given up a lot of touchdowns over the last two years. So it's not the same player. He He's not the guy that signed that big contract. That said, Sean McDermott thinks he sees something in the guy. Uh, and everybody loves a redemption story. And everybody w- in the Bills camp would love to see him play a little better this year. And that's what they're hoping on. And they got Wallace there, who's got the uh, shoulder injury. So he's got to come back from that. So they're giving everybody a chance to compete in training camp. You're building so t- let's
5: ask the Bills fan.
3: You're building a team that is going to overtake the Patriots pretty soon. Yeah, you've got a culture yeah. out there. You, you're accentuating an already good
1: roster with a good defense, and you're adding, uh, possibly if he plays his role, a really good piece. Oh, 110%, and the defense just over the past year or two, I think that that's been the, the rising stock of that unit is as big a reason as any why the Bills are ultimately going to launch themselves firmly into that conversation again. With all due respect to Mr. Page across the table, uh, <laughs> no, no. all due respect to the boss. The Patriots fan, yeah. <laughs> you know, Tom Brady is very much on his way out pretty shortly, I would imagine, so... With that said, the defining piece of the Patriots franchise will be gone, and they're going to be left to pick up the pieces in that regard. And in the meantime, who could possibly stifle them with a different quarterback under center? The defense of the Buffalo Bills.
5: And I also think, too, that the Bills are at least adding pieces for Josh Allen, whereas the Patriots are like, here's a bag of Skittles, good luck. Yeah, Tom Brady
4: just <laughs> wants to be.
5: The... He had a bag
4: of skittles, maybe you get Marshawn to run after him.
3: Maybe. Hey, let's get uh, Eric Dungey a start with the Dallas Renegades. They lost the, to the Guardians in the XFL in Week Five. Things are kind of uh, changing. This is getting interesting. The teams that struggled, oh and two, for example, the Guardians now three and two. It's going to be good this weekend. Uh, but they did something, guys. Uh, we've got to talk about what Oliver Luck, what the XFL did. They held themselves accountable because the NFL officiating has been a joke. Saturday's, this is a statement from the XFL regarding the Seattle Houston game. Saturday's Seattle Dragons Houston Rockets game should not have ended as it did. Replay showed clearly that the knee of Houston quarterback PJ Walker touched the field, renders him down, and the fourth down play officially completed with approximately two seconds remaining on the clock. Effectively turned the ball over to Seattle on downs. With a nine point differential in the score, Seattle was denied an opportunity to tie the game. The XFL sincerely regrets this error. In addition, Wes Booker, this is the key, who served as an officiating supervisor for Saturday's game, has been reassigned. You will, Scoop, tell them, never, ever hear Roger Goodell or the NFL do something like that, but they should.
4: Yeah, there's that one line in there, the XFL uh, essentially apologizes in that one line for for getting it wrong. You'd never hear the NFL do that because they're so bloated with corporate arrogance, you know, that they – for the longest time have been the only game in town. And I'm glad that the XFL is here to show them how maybe they could change some things. Because these guys are, these NFL guys are a bunch of pampered fat cats. They haven't felt the need to change anything because the money and the cash registers are ringing and the money's rolling in and the corporate welfare they get to build all these stadiums on our booze taxes and cigarette taxes. And whatever taxes they could come up and talk local officials into passing, we essentially pay for. Well, yeah, it's great to have a, a source of civic pride. But th- these guys are are getting rich off our backs, and they don't care about it. It's so long we've had to scream about full-time referees. There's no transparency in the whole discussion about these plays and how you arrive at these replay decisions. It's... It, they certainly could take a lesson from the XFL. I hope they do. I hope they grow a conscience, but I don't think that's probably possible for Roger Goodell, though. The
3: XFL's commissioner, Oliver Luck, had a beer and contributed to a beer snake, which we'll get into in depth in our next segment, uh, which was fantastic. However, this is how you handle a situation like this. Great quote from XFL's commissioner, Oliver Luck, on transparency.
2: Well, we gathered, you know, very quickly after that game. I think we all realized that uh, we made a mistake. Our fishing crew made a mistake. We had, uh, you know, Dean Blandina, who oversees all of our officials on the line, the referee crew, uh, et cetera, and, and realized, listen, we made a mistake. There's no sense trying to deny that. Uh, let's apologize. You know, I I, I I felt terrible for the, you know, the Dragons and, and Jim Zorn. They had one more play, two seconds left, and should have had that opportunity. So, you know, I think this, this is my theory because – you know, we allow uh, fans to eavesdrop, to listen in on the conversations between the referees and the Sky Judge when there's a contested call. I think that's humanized these referees. And I think that fans now begin to realize these referees just want to get it right. But they're humans. And like all of us, we're not infallible. We make mistakes. And when you make a mistake, you know, I was always taught, right, Mike, to, to, to own up to it. Yep, absolutely. And say we're sorry. We apologize. Uh, it won't happen again.
4: What's You
3: got So for me? We
2: are deeply sorry. Oh.
4: Sorry. <laughs> the Shield doesn't make a mistake. Never. No. And they won't no, apologize. They're above mistakes, the Shield. Oh, We're, we're gonna, the all-perfect, all-knowing NFL.
3: We're going to tell you about something that is near and dear to Scoops, are a beer snake with the D.C. Defenders. We'll do that next. And a couple comments on baseball. Sports Show, ESPN Radio Utica Rome now at ninety six point five FM.
0: It's the Sports Zella Show with Rain Scoop and Matt, five to six, only on ESPN Radio Utica Rome. Now on ninety six point five FM.
1: We're going to Utica. Uh-huh. I'm not going to Utica. Oh, yes, <laughs> you are. Utica.
2: Utica! Utica! In your face! Yeah!
0: It's the Sportszilla Show on ESPN Radio Utica Rome. Here's Wayne, Scoop, and Matt. Welcome back. Remember, you can always catch the podcast
4: after the broadcast. In case you've missed anything, Apple, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, at ESPNUR is the station Twitter, ESPN Sportszilla, our Twitter. We'll have all the links there. Trent Cole Show,
3: coming up at 6 o'clock with The Voice, Joe Roberts and The Coach. So listen in for that.
5: A special open for that, too, by the way.
3: A special open for that, by the way, uh, created by The Glue Guy. So, uh, of course, give you a pat on the back, buddy. Well, no one else will, so I got it. No, we're giving you love, (laughs) man. You did a great job on it, I've heard it. Insider with Scuba, myself, and Brogan Rafferty is over the 72 Tavern Live on the Brother Station K-Rock at 7 p.m. So you got a couple hours of comments content if you're interested. Also... The Clinton girls, the state champion high school team will be in this studio, all of them tomorrow with head coach Nicole Ruddy. The Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, a Double A minor league affiliate of the Miami Marlins, are having on April 30th a plumbers and chiropractors salute of a promotion called Say Yes to Crack. Oh man, you gotta love minor league baseball. That's just fantastic, in my humble opinion. They have dropping our drawers for Father's Day. Hundreds of blue boxer shorts going to be dropped out of a helicopter before the game that raises awareness for
4: prostate cancer. Just outstanding. I like how they combined that with plumbers and chiropractors. The crack thing. That's, that's, that's kind of you know. I would have right away. I I would have gone to the plumbers and I wouldn't even have thought of the chiropractors. But they crack your back.
3: <laughs> Speaking of baseball, uh, changing the narrative of the cheating scandal. To players being mic'd up it is goodwill that Major League Baseball needs, and I've been loving this in the exhibition season and in spring training. Something that I hope somehow they will continue and make this happen during the regular season. Quick comment on that, boys?
5: Uh, I- no, I think it's great, and uh, more League should be doing it.
1: All I'm gonna say is trash can banging is a universal language. There you go. <laughs>
4: Uh, I like it. I liked it in the All Star Game this past year. Do more of it. Figure out a way to do it at the appropriate moment, and we'll love it, and we'll watch more baseball.
3: I shared a picture on my—I think it's K Rock Green Facebook. Maybe it's the ESPN Sportszilla Twitter. The beer snake at the DC Defenders game. One thousand two hundred thirty-seven cups. Nineteen thousand seven hundred ninety-two ounces of beer were consumed. It is a fantastic
4: group effort. You see, people can agree on something. And Oliver Luck poured a beer into the thing. He was one of the guys. He put poured, poured a beer in there. Who did, decided to do this? This is absolute marketing genius.
3: One commissioner contribution. Yeah, that's definitely marketing genius. And so are the mics on the players in Major League Baseball. Sports Illustrated show done. As you know, Trent Cole and Joel Roberts in the Trent Cole show next. ESPN Radio Utica Rome now ninety six point five FM.